here today as we continue to learn about hearing from God. But I would like to invite you to be a part of our team with Walk for Water. Today at this service, right after the service, is the last time that you can sign up for it. So please just, you know, throughout the service, think about um, being a part of this and bringing some kindness into the lives of other people. Also, we have another thing that we invite you to be a part of. We have a team of people going to Israel towards the end of the year, and we want to invite you to be a part of that. We had a team go last year, and every one of them that went came back and told me about their encounter, that it affected them spiritually, to be able to experience the place where Jesus walked and lived and fished, where uh, David lived and, and Moses, and all these different experiences um, that we read about in the Bible really came alive for them. So maybe it's your time for you to take this journey and to be a part of this team to, to deepen your relationship with God through actually touching the sand and the, and the water and the rivers of Israel so that you can grow in your faith with God. We invite you to be a part of it. There's a te the team will lead you on how to raise the money, how to plan the trip, air, all of that. There's, there's help for that. Um, so we invite you to join that and be a part. You can sign up in the back in our guest services. So we're, we're going to continue to learn about how to cut through the noise and to hear from God. And we're going to look at things like, how do I hear from God? Uh, today we're going to be looking at, how do I know it's God? And I mean, that's a really big one. Um, we're going to talk about, in a week or two, about, does God ever stop talking to me? Is there something I can do that can kind of sever that relationship between me and him? Last week we talked about frequency and pitch, and we had a little bit of fun, and I'd, I'd like to do it one more time, just in case you weren't here. I'm going to play this video clip that has this uh, audio track in it, and this person is reading a name, and uh, I want to see, see what we've got here. You're either going to hear Laurel or Yanny, okay, and I want to see where we're divided. Let's, let's play it again. Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Laurel, Laurel. So, how many of you here hear Laurel? Hey, Laurel, yeah. Okay, we actually have a, a young lady here named Laurel. She is our guitarist here at Crosstown. She hopes you all hear Laurel. Um, she especially hopes her husband hears it most of the time. So, um, how many of you are Yanni people? Any people here? Yeah, look around. I mean, Laurel people, I mean, these people are not hearing Laurel. They're hearing Yanni or Yanni or something like that. And, and we're glad you Yanni people came back after I made fun of you last week. So thanks so much for coming back. But isn't it crazy that frequency and pitch can alter the way that you hear something? So if we can hear different things like that, I think we need to develop an understanding of how do we hear from God? Because a lot of people will hear from God differently or, or people will think they've heard from God and are not really sure what they've heard. I think a lot of it has to do with what are we listening for? Most of the time we go to God asking him to give us a yes or no answer. Should I take the job or not? Should I move to Charlotte or not? Should I date this guy or not? We're looking for kind of yes, no answers so that we frame how we're going to talk to him. We decide we're going to talk in this very binary language, ones and zeros, yes and no's. And then we're also going to define the terms 
that, God, I will talk to you when it comes job time, when it comes having children time, or when I'm sick time. Is it possible that some of us want God to speak to us on our terms instead of listening to God to actually be in relationship with him, to hear what God is saying and, and how he speaks to us? That's why Jesus said in John 10, 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He says, you can count on the fact that you're going to hear from God, each and every one of us, that there will be a, a voice through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that God will speak to us. In any form of Christianity where God does not speak today to his people is not biblical Christianity. But you may be asking yourself, well, then, you know, what, what about this conversation? Does God speak to me? He says, yes, my sheep hear my voice. So part of hearing from God is that it's in the context of relationship. You know, I, I hear God because I am united with him in relationship. So that's, that's one way that the voice of God speaks to us is through this relationship. And then, well, what is it that God's going to speak to me? He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So it's a leadership voice. So it begins to tell me that there has to be this relationship to hear the voice of God, but also the context of hearing from God is, is probably going to be the idea of his leadership speaking to us. So if you don't want his leadership in your life, you can understand why you may not be hearing from God. Because you've decided, no, I just want his solution voice. I don't want his leadership voice in my life. Well, there's no promise in Scripture that God speaks in that fashion. But we do have the promise that in relationship with him, and if we want to be led by his, his voice, he will speak to each and every one of us. So the big takeaway from last week was hearing God's voice starts with relationship with Jesus Christ, with the intention of following after him. But one of the big questions that pops up, and I think it's like the biggest question that pops up about hearing from God is, was that God or was that something else? Remember when in Scrooge, when Jacob Marley comes back and visits him and he's haunting Scrooge and Scrooge tries to analytically analyze you're not really a, a spirit, you're like an underdone turnip or a, a piece of uncooked beef. It, something about the, the, bodily, the body was actually speaking to him. And, 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 and for us, we sometimes don't know whether or not that was God or wasn't God. I mean, after all, all you have to do is look at human history. I mean, there are wars that have been been fought because a group of people said they heard from God. There are weirdos in our own country that have killed other people because they say something like, um, God told me to do such and such. I think every one of us may have a relationship with at least one well-meaning, kooky Christian relative who always hears from God. And here's the craziest things from God. And maybe that's even had a negative effect on you. Or maybe it's a preacher that, is, that has said something that, you know, it's like, you know, these people seem, seem like they're always hearing from God or the things that they're saying. It's like, is that really God? So for me, when I hear from God or when I'm in that process of something stirring inside of me, speaking into my soul or into my spirit or, or into my mind, um, I asked the question, was it me? Because I do a lot of self-talk. 
I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I can have a really good conversation all day long with myself. Matter of fact, if I'm left alone in the house, I actually, um, uh, I'm an autodidact. And so, I mean, I, you know, I, I will speak out loud and have conversations of learning with myself while I'm walking around the house. Uh, so, so sometimes I got to ask, was that me or, how about this, was that the devil? Did the devil just say something to me? Or was it just my cultural expectation? Am I feeling guilty because the people around me make me feel guilty? Or is it really, you know, it's kind of like if you've ever been out having dinner and you have a glass of wine and then you're the pastor of the Baptist church that you used to go to, great Baptist churches are great, uh, big walks by and all of a sudden you feel the need to hide your glass of wine because you don't want the preacher to see you. Where does that thought come from? Is, is that God or is that just some sort of cultural predispositioning that's gone on? Or, or maybe we think that God is saying things to us that we're never going to be blessed or we're never going to be um, fully loved because of something in our past like guilt and that guilt and shame are speaking into our lives. So we've got to figure out how do I know if it's God or not because God is talking to his people. In you know, your personal travels, maybe even in your higher education or if you're like me, you get most of your education from movies that you see. Uh, maybe in the Indiana Jones movies, or this is a great one, Stargate. You learned about hieroglyphics. Anybody here see Stargate? Yeah, classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You see Stargate, you think that aliens are writing all these hieroglyphics. Well, it's an interesting thing. Hieroglyphics are a really cool kind of form of writing. It's one of the oldest, or probably the oldest form of writing system in the world. And while we normally think of it synonymous with the pharaohs, it predates the Egyptian history by, a, by several centuries. So, um, and I think you're all familiar. You can see the pictures of what it looks like. But you know why I found out an interesting thing? It wasn't until the 18th century that we knew what these things were or what this language was saying. I mean, we were just guessing up until the 18th century. I mean, we'd see like a bird-looking thing, and, and it was like, yeah, that's like the bird god, and, and then we'd see like a, a thing with antlers, and that's like the antler god, and, and then you see a guy there, and that's like, that must be like one of the pharaohs, and, and, and you know, people would tell us, well, that's what they were, but we really didn't know what the hieroglyphics were saying for such a long time. Until the 18th century, it was just very vague and inaccurate, and it was, there was a lot of guesswork in it. Until they discovered the Rosetta Stone. Now the Rosetta Stone was, and, and there's a picture of what it looks like in the museum, was a fragment from a monument, or it was called the Stele. What a stele was, was that the ancients, when they had dynasties, as you were entering into the borders of the dynasty, they, they would make these giant rock declarations, decrees about the dynasty, something, some edict or decree that the ruler put out. And so uh, one of these steles was from the, I think it was like the fifth dynasty of Egypt, and it was written in about 200 B.C., and it was put out there, but... Something broke it, maybe wars. Eventually, 
part of the stone got lost, and um, it was not until 1799 when the French soldiers arrived in a town called Rosetta, Egypt, that as they were going through the rubble of a, of a house that was broken down, they found this stone. They found this Rosetta stone. Now, the funny thing is, is this, this really significant archaeological find was being used to hold up something in this guy's house. You know, it's kind of like holding the commode in place. You know, it was just kind of like being used because the guy who lived there didn't know what it was for. It was just a giant big rock, but he didn't understand the significance of it. But as the French soldiers took it back and then the English got a hold of it, they discovered that on this stone they could use it for deciphering the Egyptian hieroglyphics and they could get a better understanding of the hieroglyphics. Now, how did they do this? How did they interpret the hieroglyphics? Well, there was three versions of the same text written on the stone, and you can see it here. The lower portion is Greek, the middle portion is called Demotic, and then the top part is hieroglyphics. Well, they didn't know what hieroglyphics were saying. It was all guesswork, and, and the Demotic seems to be a, a script form of hieroglyphics, so they had some idea what it may be, but they understood what ancient Greek was. And well, one of the things that was written in the ancient Greek was that all the languages on there were saying the exact same thing. So for the archaeologists and the linguists, this was a, a treasure trove. It's because if I know this language and you're telling me that this, these two languages above, I can figure out what the hieroglyphics are saying based upon what I already know. And so that knowledge began to help them interpret all of the ancient uh, Egyptian world. Just from this one stone alone, it also helped them figure out some of the missing fragments of the stone. And they discovered these, the Emojikan was discovered, and it was an ancient text used by, uh, no, that's, that's not really what happened, but, you know, we're, we're using hieroglyphics. Isn't it funny? We're so sophisticated, we're going back to hieroglyphics in order to communicate. But I think this is an incredible thing in this Rosetta Stone process of, of I know this, I'm not exactly sure about that, and I don't know what that is, and I'm going to use what I know to interpret what I'm not really sure about, I think this is the process on how we figure out, was that God or was that something else? See, what do we do? We start with what we already know. When I think about God speaking into my life, and this is, this is really what I do. I've kind of confirmed it with other people that, that teach the scriptures and to make sure that I'm just not a wacko, but this is, this is a process I go through because every single day I'll ask God to speak to me. And I really believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that he will speak to me. He may speak to me into my heart. He may speak to me in a dream. He may speak to me in a moment. He may speak to me in an image. He may speak to me in a conversation. There may be some way that God's voice speaks into my life. But then I have to go through the process of figuring out, was it God? Was it the devil? Was it me? Was it a taco that I ate? What was it that is speaking into my life? So what we do is we start with the more concrete 
objective knowledge and then move to the more abstract subjective knowledge. Now, I'm not saying that the, the uh, subjective or the abstract is not right. I'm just got to start with what I know for sure, the objective thing, the thing that is true, and I know this is true, and then I move into the realm of, yeah, this is kind of like what I'm feeling. It still can be true, but I'm in this realm of I can't really prove it, but it's, it's speaking to me, and, and, and it can very well, it could be with God. And what we're trying to do is to, to understand what God is saying by what we already know. Isn't it interesting that hieroglyphic, hiero, in the Greek language means holy. Um, a, a glyph is an inscription or it is a carving. And so it's, it's been interpreted as holy language. And what we're trying to do is to understand what is God's holy language into our lives? What is God speaking into us? When Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, what is he saying? And how do I know if that's God or not? We can know scripture. And that seems to be a very safe, objective starting point uh, when we have feelings about God or impromptus by the Spirit. So, So I think... Using this process of the Rosetta Stone model is a really good one. So I put together uh, like five words that I go through in my own personal life, and I think are verified by Scripture, of how do I know if I've heard from God or not? And I made them all begin with the letter C. And, and let me also say, don't worry about writing all this down. Uh, your notes, right at the end of this service, a PDF will be sent to our app, and you'll get all my notes. They'll be there, and you can take them home and, and find out, you know, check them out, see if it's right or not. Uh, so you don't worry. I'd rather you'd be in the moment. Uh, and so I, I came up with these five C's. These are things that I go through to find out, was that God or was that just me? So let's start with the first of the, the five. I look at the content of what God, what I think God has said to me. Uh, am I hearing something that is spoken in Scripture? You know, when Paul was bringing this new religion to the region, he was telling them about Jesus. He was telling them about uh, the miracles of Christ. He was telling them about the power of salvation. And there was this one group called the Bereans. Now, they were, they were a little bit different. Um, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we're told this. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. And it's like, well, if you're a Thessalonican Christian, it's like, thanks a lot, Paul, and dogging us out there right in the Scriptures. But it says that there was something noble about them. Not that they were better, but there was something about the way that they learned or they heard from God. For they received the message of Christ with great eagerness And then they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. They they heard all this thing about salvation, about Jesus rising from the dead, about atonement, about the love of God. And they were like, man, that sounds really great. And they didn't just jump on board because it sounds really great. And culture is offering you a lot of things that, hey, that sounds really great. And since it sounds so great and awesome, it must be true. Uh, That's not the way the the Bereans were. They were like, no, we, we need an objective standard by which we measure whether or not we've heard from God or not. 
So they would break out their scriptures and they would begin to find out if what Paul was saying was true. They were doing this kind of Rosetta Stone. I hear this one language out of Paul, but now I got to find out what does that mean and is this accurate? Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, he said, all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for rebuking or correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's, it's there so that you can find out whether or not you're hearing from God or not. You know, what if something was said to you or taught in your culture or that small, still voice that's speaking into your heart, is that God or not? And he said the scripture is a very reliable source of, of correcting what was said to you whether inside or outside of you, or challenging it, or receiving it, or holding it. David said in Psalm 119.105, he said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's like, I, you know, I, I'm living my life, but I use your word to make sure that my next step is firmly planted and to illuminate my path. So when you hear from God, and I'm telling you, you should set your heart every single day to hear from God. And you may be saying, you mean like spooky, spooky hear from God? I'm like, yes, spooky, spooky hear from God. I mean, what other kind of God do you want? You know, I mean, there is no version of Christianity where God, through the Spirit, speaks to our spirits and reveals his will to us. You know, that's, that's real Christianity. And... Um, but you need to be able to measure what that is because none of us are perfect. None of us get it right every time. So you use the word. You look at the content of what was said. The next C is this, is consistency. Is what I'm hearing, whether it's in my soul or it's from the pulpit or, or wherever, is it consistent visionally with what God is doing? Am I hearing something that is part of the known plan or vision of God for people at large? For instance, we're told that creation was good. In the beginning, God created and he said it was good. It's like, okay, you know. So if creation speaks to me, some good things, if I'm looking at a flower and I kind of feel like, you know, God's using that flower to speak something to me, not that the flower's speaking to me, but it's like, yeah, creation's good. I think I should get some good vibes from creation. Um, how about the idea that God so loved the world? That seems to be a, a big plan. So I, if I hear from God, it should be part of that. Maybe another one is that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we make mistakes and we, we deal with guilt and shame and things like that. Yeah, that seems to be a part of the context of what God speaks about and speaks to. How about there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? Okay, that seems to be it. And, and then that I'm created in the image of God. And that every human being on this planet is created in the image of God. That's a general theme. So I know that if God speaks to me something against that, then I, I probably probably not dealing with God here. I, I had an opportunity to meet a, he was a good man. He, he really was a good man, and I, I hope I get to, to meet with him again. But um, we were getting our tires worked on, and, and he had a real genuine fear about the future of America, which I get, I understand. Um, and uh, he basically thinks that all Muslims should be shot, or at least removed. And it was kind of like, well, you know, and it's a, that's an idea, you know. 
Uh, I mean, that's, that's one thing to think, and it's like, but I'm not sure. When I put that in, in here, I'm, I'm not, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, I didn't see the word Muslim taken out of that. I, so I'm not sure that's what he wanted to have happen. I remember listening to a preacher, and you can Google this one. It's on YouTube. It's this preacher up in North Carolina, and there's nothing against North Carolina because I love that place. Um, but this preacher said that we should take all the homosexuals, we should build a big chain fence, build it really high with barbed wire and electrify it and drop all the homosexuals in the middle of it and don't feed them. And then since they don't reproduce, they'll just die out. And then, I, then he said, uh, God's again it, the Bible's again it, I'm again it, and you should be again it too. And everybody in this congregation cheered and said amen. You know, it's like, okay, what the heck was that? Okay, that was the stupidest thing I have. I mean, see, I don't even, I'm not even afraid to say stupid uh, on that. Because it is so inconsistent whether, you know, we're not going to argue about the homosexual issue. But I just know that's not how we deal with image bearers. I, I, it's not how God saves the world. It's not how we're supposed to save the world. But see, I'm immediately able, because of the vision of Christ, the vision of the God, word of God, I'm able to figure out, yeah, that wasn't God. I probably, if that's the way that they're going, I probably don't want to be under that kind of teaching influence. The other thing about the consistency is that Scripture has embedded in it a cipher key. I did cryptology when I was in the Navy, and, and part of cryptology is figuring out, is, uh, is understanding the data that you got. Um, so you have a cipher key that kind of tells you how to interpret what it is. Well, the scriptures actually have a cipher key built into them. Not some Bible code thing, you know. But uh, it, it's, it's this. Every word is confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That verse is repeated over and over in scripture. And what it's saying is in order to interpret the data of Scripture right, you need to collaborate or corroborate what is said with other verses. At least two or three other verses that kind of go along with the same thing. Because if you just pick one particular Scripture, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Let me give you this one. Um, uh, if Jehovah Witness, they, they don't celebrate birthdays. Not because there's a verse and it says, thou shalt not put candles upon thy cake um, and be happy. But because John the Baptist got killed at a quinceanera for some girl that got her head cut off. I mean, and so he got his head cut off. I mean, that's it. She was having a party. She was having a birthday party. And... She asked for a birthday present, and she said, I want the head of John the Baptist to cut off. So Jehovah Witnesses are like, yeah, we don't do birthday parties because of, of what took place. It's like, huh, okay. okay. Here's another one. Um, Jehovah Witness have this thing about being naked in their own house. That if uh, you take a shower, you are immediately declothed when you come out of your house. And I'm like, what? Can't be naked in your own house. Why own a house? I mean, isn't it about so you can get to run around naked? <laughs> I mean, can I get an amen? Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I thought that was the fun part about that mortgage. But the idea was based upon 
something they had extracted in Scripture. Back in the book of Genesis, we're told that the sons of God came down and intermingled, had relations with the, son, with the daughters of Adam. Um, anybody know what these people were called? Nephilim or Nephilim. Yeah. Based upon that, that verse, they are worried about that if you're, I guess if you look good with your clothes off and you're running around your house, you're tempting the angels to want to come down and have sex with you. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're talking about this in church. It's like, they got that from the Bible, okay? But they didn't use the cipher key of confirming every word in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Come on, Jesus says if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Okay, I'm going to have to see that communicated by the Apostle Paul. Or, you know, I'm, before we start plucking our eyes out, we've got to use the cipher key to figure out, okay, is that really part of the theme of what the Scriptures are talking about? So consistency is a very important thing. Then the next thing I test is character. What I'm sensing God saying to me, does it reflect the character of God the Father does it reflect the character of Jesus? Am I hearing something that copies the life of Jesus? Philippians 2.5 says this, Have this attitude in you, in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be after. That's what we're supposed to be pursuing. Paul went on to say that, you know, I consider all things that I may know him, that I may have knowledge of him in his suffering, in his life, in his resurrection. It's like the purpose of all revelation is to grow up into Christ, in Christ's likeness. So whenever I hear a word and, and going around and shooting Muslims or putting homosexuals in a cage, where is the, where is the character of Christ represented in, in, in anything like that? And so when we begin to go through the character test, we can easily begin to, I mean, the character test, not on those extremes, about what we do with our stuff, our material. I mean, are we stingy? See, that, that, that's something that God speaks to us about in his word and, and about the character of Christ. Then another one is, another C, the, the fourth C is the word counsel. When I've heard something and, and I'm not sure whether or not it's God or not, I go and I find myself a mature believer, or I find myself good scholarship. A mature believer would be somebody that maybe is a f couple years ahead of you, that you can see that, yeah, he really does love his wife, and she seems to love him, and he's raising his kids in a way that seems to honor God, and he's kind to the poor, and he's, he's mentoring, or things, you know what I mean? All those characteristics that we would hope to find in somebody who's maturing in Christ. And then I would bring whatever it is that I heard from God, and I would, I would if I couldn't find it in the Bible for myself, I would, I would go to somebody and ask them, hey, listen, I know you know God. I know that you're following after God. I really felt God just said this to me. I, I, I had an, an example like this occur. Um, when a cross time was being started and we were starting it, we had to move from Goose Creek to West Ashley, and we, so we bought a little house, and the house was really demolished, and we had to, you know, redo the floors, redo the, all the electrical, redo the kitchen. I mean, just to make it, I mean, it was still an 800-square-foot house when we were done, but just to make it operational. 
And in the middle of starting Crosstown and having to redo a house at the same time, you know, uh, I took a stress test and it looked like I was going to have a heart attack. Uh, you could figure that those kinds of things would give you a heart attack. So this person that I saw who was, who was kind, of an, kind of a doctor, um, I mean, kind of, sort of, I thought, I thought he was a doctor. Sure, I had to get the, the drugs out of his pickup truck, but, but he was kind of a doctor. Nobody, no, he actually prescribed me prednisone. Now, if you've ever taken it, there's a really a limit on how long you're supposed to take this stuff. Well, he put me on full dosage. I don't know if he was doing it based upon body weight. And then kept me on it for weeks. And I didn't, no warning, no nothing. You know, there wasn't no internet that you could type in and find out, you know, drug side effects or anything like that. Well, someplace about week two, I am raging crazy. We're living with my mother-in-law while our floors are being undone. Now talk about raging crazy. We are like, nothing, ladies, I'm sorry. I'm going to get an email about that, I'm sure. Um, but I was starting to think, and I was hearing voices. And I can remember Susan coming. I mean, literally, this happened, sitting in the room. I had a Bible in my hand, and, and I looked at Susan, and I said, I think I'm demon-possessed, but I, I don't think that's possible. According to the Scriptures, I am, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, so I don't think that's possible. So I kept pushing that thought back, back with the Scriptures, but it, I kept hearing voices. And when I would drive down the road, I would flip you off. You know, just for, if you just looked at me wrong, I would just pull in right behind you and, and want to follow you to your work. I mean, I, I was a psycho. Well, the problem was, is we were having a pastor's, like a group of us pastors were getting together to share what the Lord was doing in our lives, you know. How was our churches growing? And so everybody was going around the circle. Oh, my church has a, a gazillion thousand people and we have a lot of money and the Lord's doing great things. Another person comes like, oh, there's healings and miracles taking place and it's also wonderful. And, and then it finally makes its way around to me. I'm, you know, half crazy on my life. And they ask me, well, Paul, how's it going with you? And I just tell them, it's effing, essing, blank, 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 blank. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so one of the pastors said to me, he said, listen, I think that's inappropriate for a pastor. I'm like, listen, if, if you can't get through my words, how are you ever going to get to me? Okay, so if i got to clean myself up, but you asked me, how am I? So if you didn't want to know, and my voice is going, if you didn't want to know, don't ask stupid questions. And I'm like, so one of the pastors had to kind of take me outside because I was ready to go. Um... And uh, this pastor, a good friend of mine, just said, listen, okay, Paul, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know, I just kind of, you know, it's hard, and we're in the cinema, and, and you know, it's tough, and I'm living with my mother-in-law, and, and I was like, okay, all right, uh, how about, how do you feel? And he goes, well, I, 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 my heart's a little stressed out, I'm on prednisone. He's like, what? And I said, I'm on prednisone. He goes, how long have you been on? I said, well, I'm now in, like, in my third week. Well, what's the dosage level? Well, he picked, he was a smart guy. I mean, he's, he's still is a smart guy. And he had this PDR, which is a physician desk reference. And that's what you used before you had the internet. And he opened it up and he began to show me, dude, the prednisone's making you crazy. You should not be on that level of dosage. And then said, listen, I need you to start coming off of it, kind of like half your dosage, and then I want you to step down off of it. But you know, um, if I didn't have counsel, I'm not sure what would have happened to my life. 
Because I thought I was hearing from God. I thought I was hearing from the devil. Proverbs says this, where there is no wise guidance, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's like, okay, God wants to speak to you, every one of us, in a very mystical way, whether in dreams or in our hearts, in our lives, whether it's experiences. He really wants, the shepherd of our souls wants us to hear his voice and he wants to lead us through his voice. But through counselors, we can begin to see whether or not we heard from God or not. So that we can use it as a checks and balances so that we don't get caught into a snare. But rather that we begin to um, able to validate whether or not we've heard the voice of God. And then the last one, because I needed a C word to make these all C's, I went and got a word that, don't put it up yet, because I, I want to see if you've ever heard this word before. And the reason why I do words that you've never heard before, it's because... We become so Christian that if I say the word sanctified, you just check, you just turn off for the next five minutes. Because, yeah, sanctified, I kind of know what that is. Yeah, he's talking about sanctification. It's like, okay. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a word, and I want to see if anybody, in the first service, nobody had ever heard this word before. Um, so I'm going to try to pronounce the word on concomitant. Concomitant. Has anyone, and if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you what it means. Has anybody used this word before? Yes. Nobody. I mean, it's like means we're all getting smarter together today. I mean, I love it. I love it when my Christianity makes me smarter as, as well as holier. So here's what the word concomitant means. And that also means that none of you can tell me I'm pronouncing it wrong. It means this. It is the accompanying phenomenon that follows something. It's the accompanying phenomenon that occurs that follows something. You're walking down an alley in the middle of the night. And as you're walking through this ever-narrowing alleyway, a lion enters the alleyway and is opposing you. And you hear its roar. What is the concomitant of the lion? Anybody? Fear. It is the accompanying phenomenon that goes with the lion as it approaches you. Well, when God speaks into your life, there's a concomitant. There is an accompanying phenomenon, something that happens. What effect did this God talk with you have on you? What did it produce in you? Well, we have a rule from Scripture that says this in 1 Corinthians 14. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if the attending phenomenon causes you fear, it's probably not from God. If the attending phenomenon to whatever you heard inside of yourself or you heard said to you from a pulpit or from, a, from your culture or whatever it is, it, if, if it... If it condemns you, it's probably not God. So, so ask yourself, how did this thing, when I heard God speaking to me, what was the attending phenomenon? Because this is what should attend the word of God being spoken to your life. Confidence. It should strengthen you. It also could be corrective. 
Not corrective to be punitive in the sense to push you down and make you feel lousy about yourself, but rather corrective as, come on, we can do better. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't have talked to your wife like that. You need to go apologize. Yeah, you need to spend time with your kids. You need to share a little bit more. You know, your, your attitude at work needs, I mean, that, it's corrective in our life. Another one is it's compassionate, is that it will speak compassion in your life for another human being that you don't even agree with. Again, we're back to our shooting Muslims idea. Is that that's, that's not the accompanying phenomenon with the word of God. Also, it will speak compassion into your life. I know the plans that I've got for you to give you a hope in the future. Yeah, you need to knock this off over here, but I want you to know that you're my child made in my image. I gave my son for you that you may have new life. See, that's the attending phenomenon. And then it will also do this. It will provide clarification. It won't muddy the waters. It will rather, it will give you clarification. This is the way, walk ye in it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and give your life for her. Wow, that's pretty clear. Wives, honor your husbands as in the Lord. It's like pretty clear. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. All right, because I was getting a feeling I don't want to talk to that J-hole ever again in my life, and I don't have to talk to him. It's like, well, you know, you may have heard that, and I made Jay hold up. It's mine. Don't be using it, okay? Um, it's, it's, hey, that wasn't God speaking to you because the attending phenomenon of God speaking to you should bring, be a peacemaker. Blessed are the pure in the heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are they who pursue righteousness. You know, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are the meek. All these wonderful attending phenomenons when we hear the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even into the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It gets inside of you to, to make you more Christ-like. That's the attending phenomenon. That's what it does. It's to make you more like Christ, and that's what it speaks to you. And if anything else is being spoken into you, whether you towards yourself, the devil towards you, or your culture towards you, it's not of God. The word of God is making us more like Christ. I don't want to discourage any of you from hearing from God. But I think we need to realize that we've got to make sure that it is God. And God will give us all the proofs that we need in his word through counsel, through the consistency, through his character of his son, he will, if we want to know the truth of God, we will find it. The shepherd of our soul speaks to us, and he leads us, and he guides us. And just like the Rosetta Stone with his three languages, we can know the Father. See, I think that's amazing because even God subscribes to the Rosetta Stone concept of this is what I know and this is what I don't know. That's how we reconcile scriptures that say, no man at any time has seen God. It's like, okay, but you wait, we said Jesus was God. So how do you reconcile that verse with that verse? Well, no man at any time has seen the Father except the Son, 
who has exegeted him or has revealed him. See, he's the second language on the tablet of God. Then the third language on the tablet of God is Jesus says, I will send you another comforter and he will lead you into all truth and he will tell you about me, the second language on the tablet. And Jesus said, everything I say and everything I do, I do what I see my father doing, the first language on the tablet. See, God operates in this trifold Rosetta Stone revelation. It's how he works. But see, the reason why the people of the earth are not understanding this is because we're supposed to be operating in a trifold uh, Rosetta Stone model. See, Christ is who we're representing to the nations. Church is the second language. And then the third language is our community. They will know that you are Christians by your love. You say, well, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you know what that means? This world has lost its Rosetta Stone about Christ. We're telling them to believe in Christ, but yet we're not giving them the language of mutual love for them to be able to interpret the invisible God. I mean, so, so this, is, this is really good stuff. This is how you hear from God, and I want you to hear from God. God wants you, he doesn't want you to be a sheep who doesn't know the voice of the master. He doesn't want you to be, I mean, because if you don't hear his voice, you are effectively shepherdless. Now, technically, you're not shepherdless, but effectively, if you can't hear his voice, what's the benefit of a shepherd if you can't hear him? If he can't lead you and guide you. God wants all of us there. So if you're here and you've been skeptical about hearing God and you think that's a lot of voodoo stuff, well, it's not. It's, it's fundamental Christianity 101. God speaks to his people. So you don't need to be afraid of it. We've got an easy check down on how to figure out whether or not. This is why we need to learn the Bible. Okay, You need to leave church here today and you need to open up your Bible or call up your Google search or you know biblestudy.org. It's cool. It's all right. And you need to find out whether or not I told you the truth today. Because I could be just another lying spirit. I could be another guy just manipulating the scriptures, and I'm not even saying every Sunday, as long as I've been the pastor of the church, that I have been doing it rightly. So we all need to check and grow in our knowledge of God. So maybe you're here today, and as we move into this last moment of expressions, and, and some of you are just running around on your own feelings. It's like, oh man, it, I remember that song by Debbie Boone, how can it be so wrong if it feels so right? You light up my life, baby. You know? It's like, I, I can't trust me. I can't trust my feelings. No matter what Disney tells you, you can't just follow your heart. Because your, your heart will, will lie to you most of the time. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that looks right, smells right, tastes right, but in the end it leads to death. Well, how do you know? It's through the Word of God, through counsel, through the consistency of God's Word, the content, through the character of Christ, through the attending phenomenon. Is it what Christ wants to produce in us? Some of us have been listening to the voice in the spirit of our culture. Whatever it says on Facebook, whatever CNN or Fox News say, whatever the kids are doing in school these days, Whatever's happening in our culture, 
And I guess it must be okay. I mean, it seems to be that's what families do now. That's what people do now. And 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Not everything speaking to you. Not everything speaking that you speak to yourself is true. But neither is everything that you're hearing, whether it's in churches or in your community or on TV. You gotta test everything. You test it with the word of God. We need to make sure that we have our order of listening right. And it needs to start with the word of God. Some of us are, are really inclined to hear from God and then we interpret within ourselves whether or not that was God or not. I don't know if that works all by itself. It's like the last most subjective way to hear from God. I think we need to get back to the Word of God in our own personal lives, in our families, so that we can know that we've heard the voice of God. Father, as we enter into this moment with you, Lord God, I'm going to ask that you speak to every single person in this room. And I know that I don't even have to ask that because you said whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there you are in the midst of them. Not to just hang over them in some spooky way, but to say, if today you hear my voice, open your heart to it. I pray that to everyone that is in relationship with you and is inclined to follow after you, that you would speak your word to them today. And for everyone here that relationally is not connected with you, today we make a decision that Jesus Christ is Lord and shepherd of my soul. And from this day forward, God, I choose to follow after you and I incline my heart to follow. Just say the word and thy, shall, thy servant shall be healed. So Father, as we take the bread of life, the word of God, and dip it into the blood of life, and as we symbolically take the word of God into us, Lord God, we ask through your Holy Spirit that you will breathe your word into every heart. Let me invite you to come and to hear from God.